It's an honor and a privilege to be able to uh, share from God's Word today. My name is Ben Cathy. I'm the executive pastor here at Mountaintop. Welcome. You know what I've learned in the last two weeks? I've learned a couple of important lessons in this crazy uh, coronavirus season. I've learned that us people actually like each other. And the other thing I've learned is that us people actually need each other. So whoever you're with, or if you need to text somebody who you think's with us today, just, just turn to somebody right now and say, I like you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, hey, um, I'm wondering if you've ever had a time in your life where you've been exposed to the elements. Maybe there was a time when uh, you were camping and a, just a torrential downpour came. Or, or maybe you're out at the beach and one of those sandstorms popped up that you couldn't escape and you're, you're trying to cover your face. It seems you all have a, a story. And, and maybe even we have a family story where we can wink or nod or smile at each other and say, you remember that, don't you, when we got caught out in the elements. Last summer, I felt exposed to the elements on a particular trip, which was way outside of my norm. As a southern boy, I, I took a personal retreat for three days in northern, northern Colorado, almost to Wyoming, out in a big game hunting territory in a mountain range called the Never Summer Mountain Range because it's never summer there. On one of those days, I decided to go for a hike on a trail that was two and a half miles long, but it hiked up to a lake that was at about 11,000 feet. The park ranger told me I would need snowshoes for the hike. I said, whatever, I, I rented them. And for the first time in my life, I, I put on snowshoes and I descended to this frozen lake at 11,000 feet. The trail map said it was an intermediate trail, but I found out afterward that that was when there was no snow. By the time I got to the top, in the thin air, hiking what felt like straight up to this southern boy, I was exhausted. I was a little dizzy. There was nobody around. I was 30 minutes from the closest semblance of civilization. All I had with me was a little three-inch pocket knife. I was exposed to the elements. You know, as we face this season, it makes us feel exposed to what's around us, exposed to the elements. No matter how brave we are, no matter how strong we're acting, there's this little part of us that's fearful, anxious. And if nothing else, we're just apprehensive about what the next day will bring. We've been in a place where we've never been before, just like this guy, born and uh, raised in the south at 11,000 feet in the mountains of Colorado. Well, you know, what gave me hope was the fact that I knew what was coming ahead of time. And we have a picture of me uh, up on that mountain, and uh, this is me smiling after I got my Gatorade and my Cliff Bar out of my bag. 
And uh, that gave me a little energy, and I was uh, uh, rested a little and ready for the trip back down. What gave me hope was that I knew that the rest of the journey was downhill, and that's, that's easier than uphill, right? Also knew that at the bottom of that hill was a car full of gas with a heater in it that worked and a little drive down the road about 25 miles away was a little hotel room with a hot shower and a little town with two or three choices to get a hot meal that night. So I was hopeful that I would be safe and content and taken care of at the other end of this journey. The hard part about the journey we're on right now is is we're not 100% sure that at the end of this summit, that uh, some of us, that that car is still going to be there, that that hotel room is still going to be there, that that hot meal is still going to be there. Uh, Depending on who you listen to, we really don't know what next week or next month will bring. One famous chef said that uh, 75% of restaurants are supposed to uh, close, local restaurants. That just seems unbelievable, doesn't it? We've been arguing whether we should measure the uh, effects of the coronavirus by uh, raw data or by per capita data, and and who do you listen to, and and, and which data fits which scenario, and who's right and who's wrong, and and which political opinion is the best, and, and who has the best strategy. We just don't know right now, do we? Will the stimulus help, or will it actually hurt in the long run? Well, how are you feeling exposed right now? Uh, are, you, are you stress eating? Are you in line at uh, the drive-thru at Krispy Kreme Donuts every day just because you're helping the economy? <laughs> Got to keep it going, right? Are you, um, are you stress betting? Is there anybody out there who's made a bet on the marble races? What, you don't know about marble races? It's becoming a thing in this age of all canceled sports. Financially, how are you doing? Are you exposed? I got such a great message last week from a friend of mine in an experience long ago where she said, Hey, Ben. Thanks for encouraging me to take the Dave Ramsey financial planning course 10 years ago. My family's going to be okay through this storm. And I'm so encouraged by that note. How are you doing uh, with job security? I was grieved this week that uh, here at Mountaintop, we actually got uh, three uh, prayer requests for folks who lost jobs last week. I'm sorry. We're going to pray and hope that these jobs come back stronger than ever. How are you doing um, with habits, uh, with addictions, uh, with unhealthy emotions like anger or depression? What's being exposed right now? How's, How's your marriage? Maybe it's stronger than you thought or maybe it's not as strong as you thought. How's your parenting? How are your kids doing? How's your mom and dad doing? How's your friend who lives alone and feels more isolated than ever doing right now? Seasons like this expose us, and and today we're going to look at a place where um, Jesus exposed who we are. 
In fact, in John 18, we look at Jesus' trial before a pilot. And in that, we find that um, the cross, the cross exposes our weaknesses. And Jesus provides our hope. That's our, that's our key phrase for today, and, and, and that's where we're going to land and move forward. And, and, and we find here in this passage that Jesus' journey to the cross, that it did, it exposed our weaknesses. It exposed our, the worst parts of it, our, our sinfulness. You know, the scene in Jerusalem during that time may have been as chaotic as it is in our world today. I, I mean, it was unsettled. It, it, Jerusalem was occupied, first of all. It was occupied by a foreign power. Think uh, Vladimir Putin and the Russians are in charge of the federal government right now. There were revolutionaries in their midst. There were Jewish revolutionaries popping up here and there trying to defeat the foreign Roman power. And sometimes you didn't know who was a revolutionary and who wasn't. And people were sort of hiding out, running for cover, staying in their own space, looking the other way. Also, in this time, when, when Jesus was in Jerusalem during that, that last week, it was, it was right before the Passover celebration, and this is when the Jewish folks celebrated their escape from Egypt through the Red Sea and, and into the Promised Land, a huge celebration. Think uh, December 10th, as we're gearing up for Christmas Day. Jesus had also become a known quantity. Was he a good rebel? Or a bad rebel. He came into town as a celebrity. People came out to the road and they laid down their palm branches just like a red carpet and they said, Blessed, Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel, they shouted as he entered. Lastly, the governor, his name was Pilate, he had moved from his usual residence in Caesarea over to Jerusalem to handle the problems that might occur over the next couple of weeks leading up to Passover. A little bit like if Kay Ivey left the state capitol in Montgomery and moved to Birmingham to handle what's happening with the coronavirus. And you know, that still may happen. So it was a chaotic time, and we we find Jesus that comes before Pilate after he entered Jerusalem, after the Garden of Gethsemane, after Judas betrayed him, after he was arrested, after he went to Caiaphas' house and was put down in the dungeon, and there was this fake mock-rigged trial late at night, early in the morning, and then Jesus was taken to Pilate because the Jewish leaders didn't want to do anything to Jesus. They wanted Pilate to do it. They wanted Pilate to get rid of it. And both the Jewish leaders and Pilate are exposed by the cross. Oh, Peter had already been exposed by the cross. You you may know the story. Peter had denied Jesus three times in the passages leading up to this scene. And and now it was the Jewish leaders and Pilate's turn. And we, we land in John chapter 28. John chapter 18, verse 28. And we find that the Jewish priests were exposed in their fear, in their hate, and in their hypocrisy. Here's what verse 28 says. Jesus' trial before Caiaphas ended in the early hours of the morning. Then he was taken to the headquarters of the Roman governor. His accusers 
didn't go inside because it would defile them, and they wouldn't be allowed to celebrate the Passover. It's easy to read right over that and to miss what actually happened there. The accusers, the Jewish priest, took Jesus to the governor's house, and they wouldn't go inside so that they wouldn't be ceremonially unclean for the Passover, yet at the same time, they harbored hatred for Jesus in their hearts. You see, um, they had even the night before, in secret, broken many of their laws. Some scholars say the Jewish priest in their arrest and trial of Jesus broke as many as, as 43 different legal or ceremonial Jewish laws, like a judge can't be present when someone's arrested, like there was no witness called in Jesus' defense. There was this uh, outward appearance, but this inward kind of uh, hatred. The Jews feared Jesus. They feared the message of Jesus. They feared the crowd celebrating Jesus. They feared the unknown. I, I wonder if you're exposed in that way today, where there's something going on the inside that doesn't match the outside. If, if your fear has brought about a sense of, 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 of anger or unsettledness or even a hate toward other people, maybe hate toward certain policies or people who don't think that coronavirus is serious or maybe hate toward people who you think think it's too serious. You know, when the stakes are high, enemies are easy to find, aren't they? Well, Pilate, was also exposed. And partly we find part of the ways that we're exposed uh, by this season. See, uh, Pilate believed that Jesus was innocent, but Pilate wasn't willing to do enough about that. He tried over and over again to give the problem back to the Jews. He, he uh, was more concerned, it appears, in his status as a Roman governor in what Caesar would think of his job, maybe in his wealth or in his control or in his position. Maybe he was just concerned about job security, and Jesus wasn't going to get in the way of that. You see, the easiest way to sort of jump into this and figure out where Pilate's heart is is to look at the questions he asked Jesus. There was sort of this weird thing where, where Jesus was inside and Pilate was outside and um, uh, Jesus uh, would talk to Pilate and then Pilate would go out to the porch and talk to the Jews. And, and so there were these questions. He would come in and talk to Jesus and then the Jews and then Jesus and the Jews. But Pilate asked three particular questions which sort of highlight. He, he says in uh, verses 35, 37, and 38, these questions, he says to to Jesus, am I a Jew? So you are the king. And then he says, what is truth? And when, when Pilate says, uh, am I a Jew? He's saying, hey, I'm not a Jew. I'm a Roman. This is not my problem. You know, I imagine that's how some of us felt about six weeks ago when this virus was just in other places. It's not really my problem. They can handle it. 
But we become exposed and we just try to push off the world's problems onto somebody else when we isolate and insulate ourselves from it. And then we just look out for what is ours. Pilate asked that question, so you're a king. He was sort of looking to get out of his responsibility on a technicality, like, please, Jesus, Jesus, just say you're a king. Just say you're a king, Jesus. That way I can sort of say, okay, this guy's trying to subvert the government and we can uh, uh, punish him like the Jews are begging me to. Pilate was walking a fine line. The last one revealed Pilate's heart more than anything else. In frustration, he looks back at Jesus and says, what is truth anyway? In Pilate's world, it was about winning and losing. It was about weighing the options. In Pilate's world, it was about hoarding toilet paper so that you will be okay and not being worried about anybody else. You with me? How are you exposed like Pilate? Are you just trying to push the problem off to somebody else? Hoping it'll just go away? Are you looking for technicalities or loopholes? Just enough to save face? Is it just about winning and losing in your family and your future and not your neighbor? and not the innocent people around us. Well, Jesus in the midst of this, Jesus right there on trial, judged, beaten in the midst of this provides hope. You see, if the cross, which was intended for punishment, if the cross exposed our weaknesses, Jesus provides our hope. You see, the cross exposed a new reality, exposed a new reality that would be our hope for every age, for every struggle, for every fear, for every loss, for every betrayal. We find our hope in Jesus for every king, for every dictator, for every government, for every war, we find our hope in Jesus. For every recession, for every drought, for every famine, for every worldwide viral pandemic, we find our hope in Jesus Christ. I see Jesus' words back to Pilate when he asked those questions tell us about who Jesus is and the hope that he gives. When Pilate says, am I a Jew? What do you want me to do, Jesus? Jesus responds with these words from verse 36 in chapter 18. Jesus says to Pilate, My kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to the Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus says, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus didn't come to establish a government. Thank God. Jesus came to begin a new kingdom that would transcend and go beyond every border, every household, every wall. You see, Jesus came to usher in a kingdom. 
You see, we're living in the here and not yet. Jesus, death on the cross, and his resurrection ushered in a new kingdom. We are agents of that kingdom, and that kingdom will not be fulfilled until uh, heaven and earth are made new when Jesus comes back. And we have the privilege of living in that season, that, that kingdom season that Jesus started that isn't yet done. And during that time, we cling to the promise of the cross, that in Jesus Christ, our sins can be forgiven, that in Jesus Christ, we have hope for a new day, that in Jesus Christ, we can be made new, that in Jesus Christ, what has been exposed can be healed. What has been lost can be recovered, and what is fearful can become something else entirely. Jesus tells us that we're not of this world. He also tells us that uh, greater is he that is in you than is in the world. That's good news, friends. The next part, we'll look at Jesus' words. And in verse 37, uh, Pilate responds to him and he says, so, so you're a king. Let's look at what Jesus says. Pilate said, so you're a king. Jesus responded, you say I am a king. Actually, I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. All who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. The cross exposed a new truth, a new reality. Jesus, Savior and Lord. The cross provided hope. Not in a king, but the servant of a new kingdom. Not of this earth, but for every person in this earth. Not optional, but the truth. You see, in the face of betrayal, in the face of abandonment, in the face of judgment, in the face of beatings, in the face of trial, in the face of crucifixion, in the face of a burial with no funeral, a new kingdom was formed. Uh, the truth was received and revealed. A savior provided an unconquering hope that no matter the circumstance, that hope exists because in Jesus Christ, hell and death and sin were conquered. No government, no religion, no cross, no death, no virus could defeat him. He's our hope. He's our provider. He's our savior. He's our forgiver. He's our Lord. Jesus is good. Jesus is God. Last week as we finished up the Pray Big series, Pastor Carter said, you can pray big because God is good. In referring to the scripture where uh, what parent would give a child a, a scorpion if they asked for an egg? You can pray big because God is good. And Jesus is confirmation and proof that God is good, friends. You see, the cross exposes our weaknesses, but Jesus gives hope.
Well, Pilate got at least one of his questions wrong. See, Pilate got the the question wrong, and I want to bet that you're probably getting the question wrong also. You see, Pilate asked the question, what is truth? What is truth? But the truth was right in front of him. See, Pilate ended up choosing himself over the truth that was right there in the room with him. Pilate argued with the Jewish priests, this or that. Six times he tried to push off Jesus. We're arguing about the truth today. What is truth? You know, it's become common to say, well, your truth and my truth and their truth and our truth. And and we're arguing about the facts. Are are we going to make it? Are we going to be able to flatten the curve? Or is it going to peak? When's it going to peak? Are millions of people going to get the virus or are a couple of hundred thousand going to, how many people will die? There are different predictions. Will the summer weather bring relief? Will the virus come back around next winter? We just don't know. We're sort of looking for the truth out there. Will this last two more weeks or two more months or two more years? And the most important question that we're looking for the truth about Are we going to have college football season this year? That's a big one. (laughs) See, the truth was right in front of Pilate. And if instead of asking what is the truth, Pilate would have asked who is the truth, that would have changed everything. Because Jesus is the truth. In fact, in John 8... A little bit earlier in the book, uh, 32 and 36, Jesus uh, says, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And then in 36, so if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. And then in John 14, 6, Jesus says the thing that still gets him in trouble today. It got him in trouble back then. It gets him in trouble today, but it is our guide. Jesus says these words, I am the way the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. You see, when we know who the truth is, we can have incredible hope. Hope greater than Peter's. Hope greater than the Jewish priest, hope greater than Pilate's. When we know who the truth is, we have this incredible hope. Our fears turn into freedom. Our weaknesses become healed with the forgiveness and the hope of Jesus Christ. The way of Jesus drives out fear. I heard, I heard Dave Ramsey say last week that generosity drives out fear. What better way to be generous than to follow the way of Jesus, to recognize who is the truth in our life. And I'm amazed by the things that have been happening around me in the midst of sad stories. I heard about a knife fight at a Sam's Club, at the Sam's Club that I used to go to in Dallas, Georgia. And in the midst of those sad stories, we have some heroes in our midst, y'all. Do you know that these uh, little libraries have become little food drop-offs? For folks, 
we're leaning in to a greater truth and opinion about what's next. We're leaning into the way, the truth, and the life. Did you know that um, I know of one person who's given up a paycheck, a whole two weeks of pay to give it to some hourly workers that they know so that they can continue to get some kind of semblance of a paycheck. Is that not awesome? Do you know that um, several families in our mountaintop preschool have decided to continue to pay tuition to help out with the cost related to the fact that there's no preschool right now? Do you know that you, I've seen you, you've been posting things online that are helpful to your neighbor. Thank you, musicians. You are awesome. You've been going to local restaurants and, and telling other people, hey, let's, let's support these restaurants. They've been in our community a long time. Let's support them. You see, so we're, we're not asking what is the truth. We're, we're asking who is the truth, and then we're, we're acting on that. My wife is joining 100 workers from GE in Madison, Wisconsin, to build ventilators. Is that not awesome? They're trying to get ahead of the curve with that, and that's, that's just crazy good. We have reason to believe that our, our engagement through these weeks at Mountaintop Church may be greater than our engagement uh, has been in quite a while as we're clinging to the one, and his name is Jesus. One lady uh, said to me, she said, I must be getting old because my young neighbors keep coming to check on me and ask me what I need. <laughs> Friends. We can watch 24-7 news all day long, and we can search for what is the truth. But we'll find our way forward when we lean in to who is the truth. Jesus told us he was the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus provides our hope. You see, these heroic things don't happen because we sit around wondering what the truth is. They happen because we know who is the truth. And we give our hearts to the one who sacrificed for us and then rose again and still lives and leads us today, this week. Will you lean into Jesus, the way, the truth, the life? Will you pray with me as our band comes back for our last song? God, Greater than the way of Peter, greater than the way of the Jewish leaders, God, greater than the way of Pilate, greater than our way, Lord. Let us lean into the way of Jesus, recognizing that the way of Jesus will lead us to the truth. The way of Jesus will lead us to hope. The way of Jesus will lead us to a hope that drives out fear. A way of Jesus will lead us to a hope that brings healing. And so, God, let us give our hearts to the way of Jesus, to Jesus himself. Truth is not found in a document or in words or text. Lord, we thank you that truth is found in a person. Amen.